Today we are talking about parenting, and as I just said a moment ago, uh, I have two littles at home. I say littles, they're not so little anymore, and a five-year-old and seven-year-old, and so when it came to the topic of raising some kids, I had one lady in mind, and I thought, man, if I could get Miss Debbie to come and share with me, I'm going to look like a genius, and uh, so that sounded like a good plan to me, And uh, but let me just tell you a little bit about Miss Debbie. Number one, uh, she is a, a wife to uh, one of the founding members of our church, really. Uh, And her husband, Larry, serves on our board. Um, And so she's been a part of everything, a part of the church. And so uh, for a number of years, you led our kids' department and been involved in all kinds of things. And uh, just a tremendous lady. And so um, she has a background in children's education, early childhood development, all of those types of things. And so she's a wife um, and a mother of three. And most importantly, she's honey. To uh, four grandbabies, which my dad told me when my son was born, my son's the oldest, and he said, hey, son, I j-, this was like within the, within the hour of my son being born. He said, I just need you to know your position in the pecking order just changed and you moved down. And the kid has now moved up. And so if you need to know, I'm just letting you know right now. And so, you know, she has four grandkids. So thank you so much for joining me today and just being willing to come and to be a part of this conversation. And uh, I believe that it's going to be a great blessing. And so um, we're going to just jump in today. And so, as I said, Miss Debbie has a lot of uh, just wisdom and a lot of just life experience. Uh, And you may be in the room today and you may say, hey, you know, I don't have kids. You probably will at some point, or maybe your kids are gone, but you have grandkids, you know, people with kids. And I believe that the Lord will use you to be able to help influence and to really uh, influence and impact people around you. And uh, so you may be here today and you're like, well, this doesn't really apply to me. It applies to all of us. Uh, just as we were just talking about with this baby dedication, it's not just on Tate and Sarah to raise that little girl by themselves and just figure it out. They've got family here who are supporting them. They've got a church family supporting them. And it does take a lot of people to help raise a child. Why? Because... When it comes to kids, all of us are amateurs. I mean, I didn't get a manual to each of my children. Although, Lord, that would have been nice. You know, but that didn't happen. And and so uh, there are things when it comes to kids that we really want to uh, raise them up in the way of the Lord. And here's the thing that we have to remember. uh, And this is one of my goals as a parent is that I don't want to point my kids to me. I don't need to be their source for everything. I need to point them to Jesus. Because I'm flawed. They already know that. Right? And so I need to point them to the one who's not. And that's definitely not me. And so even as we're talking about some of these things, and so even when it comes to um, just raising up our kids, I'll share just a quick thought with you about it, is that we always have to keep in mind that God loves our kids more than we do. And in reality, they were his before they were ours. And so we always want to keep that in mind. And so I'm going to hand this off to Miss Debbie. We're going to talk through a few things. She has some things just uh, just from her really wealth of understanding and knowledge of things. And so um, let's just jump in. We, we've obviously had some conversation, but let's talk about um, kind of the baseline of what's the purpose? What's the goal? What's the target? What's the touchdown line? Whatever you want to call it. What's what's I mean, why does that matter for us as parents? And, and yeah, I think um, I'm reminded of a story uh, there was a, a family and the husband and the wife kind of had this little tiff thing happening because the husband every year would go hunting and he would get all his stuff together and he would stay like two weeks and, and she just kind of felt left out. And so one year she decided, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with him. And so she didn't tell him, but all year long she practiced. She went and got, took some lessons of target shooting lessons and she practice she went and got all some some hunting you know clothes because you have to have clothes if you're going to go hunting i guess so she got all the gear and everything and so that year he said okay honey i'm ready to go on my trip and she said uh i'm going with you he said oh, yeah you, you don't know anything about and she said no I've, I've been practicing and said okay well let me see so he gave her gun and sure enough she could way back there she could shoot the legs off a grasshopper she, I mean, she could, he was like, what? She was like a natural at this, didn't know. So he's like, okay, well, let me, let me tell you when we get there, um, if you're, you're not going to really know what to do. So I'm going to be in a tree stand. If, if you see something or whatever, you know, we have some walkie talkies, just let me know before you shoot anything. Let me know. Okay. So they got all their gear. They went going, she, lots of preparation for this. They get there and he's climbed. He no more than he get in his tree stand and he hears, Kaboom! It's a gunshot. He's like, what in the world? 
He goes over there and she's got her gun against a man. And, and he said, honey, you never ever point. She said, he's taking my deer. And she said, no, honey, you don't ever point it in a man. He said, the man said, look, you can have the deer. Just let me get my saddle off of it. <laughs> so the idea is you can do all this preparation and all this stuff and not even know what the target is. And you might be aiming at something you didn't even really want to aim at. Yeah. So I just, I love that, that story because it illustrates, you know, all the work we do. So as parents, do we ever think about what is, what is my goal? What is our, what is our target? You know, and I asked a few parents uh, that I knew, what, what would you say that your goal? And one of them was, I just don't want to screw up my kids. If I just don't screw them up, that's my goal. You know, one said, uh, I just want my kids to be happy. Another one was, I like this one kind of, I just want to raise enjoyable, grateful human beings. Okay. Another one just said, I just want peace in my home. But the thing about a target is, uh, you know, I taught school for a lot of years. And when we taught cursive, I don't think they teach cursive much anymore. I don't know. But when, when they, we used to learn, how many, most of you learned cursive? Yeah. And when you would write, they always said you slant, right? You slanted the, the thing like that. And Come to find out, the only reason they did that is when they used to have ink pens years ago, the ink would leak. So if you slanted it, it wouldn't leak as much. So all these years, we decided that's the way you do cursive. But it really came back, and we don't even need to do that anymore. Mm. So I wonder how much of our parenting just comes, this is what our parents did, this is what our grandparents did. And we don't ever really think about, is this what I want to do? Is this how I want? So I think, yeah, the first thing really is to think about what your goal is, hmm. you know? Um, yeah. 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 And I think it's so important because we do, I mean, here's the thing. We're going to raise children. Like they're going to get raised one way or another. And it's just a matter of, are we going in the direction that we decide? Cause I mean, if we don't decide the kid will, by the way, you know, and sometimes you, you might wonder like who's raising who here, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, I can remember not too long ago. I don't remember which one of my kids. And I said something, we were in the truck and I think it was Max. And he was like, actually, dad. And I just kind of like <laughs> zip it, son. And, um, you know, but, but it is, I mean, we have to be intentional about it. And if we don't put some thought to it and, and have some defined goals, I mean, you know, um, the Bible tells us is that uh, in without vision, chaos will ensue why because there's not a purpose there's not a point there's not something that we're moving towards and and so you know there is the idea that we do want to raise kids obviously in the understanding of the lord but we don't want to do them out of our own hurts we don't want to do it out of our past we don't want to do it out of well this is you know like what she's talking about well we don't this is just the way it's always been well it worked for my parents well we also live in a very different world you know, um, than the world, even that I grew up into my kids. I mean, it's totally, totally different. Um, and, and so what worked 30, 40 years ago is not going to work today. Uh, it's just not. And, and so, you know, um, God's goal is always for every single one of us, human beings, is to have life and have it more abundantly. That's what John ten ten says. Um, you know, and so that includes our kids. And, and so, but, and he'll give us the wisdom that we need. And so how do you go about... Um, like, how do you define a vision? Like, how how do you kind of, where do you start? Yeah, I think what you said as far as examining your own heart, okay, what, where am I? And I think of God as a parent. And when I, when I thought of this one time, it took all the pressure off. God as a parent, his two kids messed up in the garden. They, they, I mean, they, they made a choice that changed the whole human race. And so as a parent, when your kids make mistakes, it's not, you know, the end of the world. And so I can remember sitting out there and my uh, younger son was playing drums up here for several years. And it was one of his first times to play. He's like maybe 14 or something. And I remember as a parent, um, you know, I'm just, and I'm praying, God, help him get it right. Just, just help him stay with it, you know, help him get it right. And it was just a quick, what if that's not my goal? What if my goal is not for him to get it right? What if he just needs to express who's in him, you know, the life that's in him? And, you know, we could spend uh, our whole lives getting it right and never enter into who we were created to be. So I think even if we go back, even you and I talked about, even if you go back to the garden and the whole purpose for for mankind, God, you know, we were born just inhaling the breath of God and living from that tree of life. And when we made that switch, you know, we plugged into ourselves and now living according to our knowledge of good and evil and 
Um, even in our parenting, sometimes I think we, we look at that and we think, oh, I just, I just want my kids to get the grades and do it right and do the right thing and not get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a teacher one time that said, um, you could never get in trouble in my class. She said, you're not in trouble, you're in training. Mm. So I thought that was a pretty powerful uh, statement. But yeah, so I mean, I, I think the beginning of it really is an examination of our own own self and like, are we... Uh, living out of that place of that that life, and I think uh, when my granddaughter was uh, younger, parents of younger kids would remember with the age that they turn the car seat around. You know, when they start young, they have to face backwards, mm-hmm. and then later you get to turn it around. And I remember that transition. She wasn't quite old enough to turn it around, and uh, and you know she's looking at this backwards car. You know, the car seat. She can't see above it the whole time. I turn her around, and she you know just came alive. And um, one day I felt even God speaking that to me, it's like, don't, you know, when you're facing backwards and you're looking at, oh, I got to get it right. I got to do all these things. But if you face front in the car seat, then God, what do you have? What's out there? What, what do you have? So I think for me, part of that is just knowing, you know, God designed us to, I mean, his whole goal for us is to live who we were created to be. And, um, and it's discovering that, you know, it's for our own self, God, what is that expression? And what is that? And I think that's probably the first step. Yeah, and, and so even in that um, that line of thought, I mean, you're talking about the garden, which, I mean, you go back into why we were created was for connection, right? I mean, mm. God wanted connection with us. And that, and that plays into our even our interactions with our kids. And so many times, it's like you said, we have excuses like, just don't embarrass me. Like, I, I think unintentionally, I mean, I think if most of us are honest, we probably thought that about our kids. Like, don't you dare embarrass me. Like, that's the goal of parenting is just, you know. And we're like, man, if I could just make it to a certain point in my life and get there, we'll be good. Um, you know, but even in that about like, I'll give you an example. I had a friend of mine tell me this was probably maybe a year ago. And it really is something that has stuck with me is he told me because we both have kids in similar seasons and he's a pastor. I'm a pastor. We got a lot going on, whatever. And uh, but he said, because his dad was a pastor, he said, my dad made a mistake with me talking about himself. And he said that he didn't give me time when I was younger. And then when he wanted time, I didn't have time for him. Mm. And he made the statement. He said, so my goal is to make sure that I'm connecting with my kids while they're small so that when they become teenagers, they want to spend time with me. Yeah. You know, and and so that speaks to connection. And so let's talk about just the connection part. I mean, I think that's um, even before discipline, before all of those other things. I mean, that is everything, right? Right. Right, right. Um, I'm reminded of a story with my granddaughter. Uh, we, had, My husband and I had kept them overnight for the first time when they were young. And uh, we were going to, you know, trying to fill 24 hours with these two young kids. And uh, she was probably a, maybe almost three. And I took her for a ride in the stroller. And we were, uh, we were walking. And I'm just, you know... I, they're just so so much wonder with kids you know they're so excited to see everything the flowers and she's what's that and what's that flower and, and you know and we're practicing so i just started playing this game with her like um what can you see that god made that is blue you know what can you see that god made us and so we're just connecting and we're um riding and then we ran across a dandelion and she'd never seen one you could blow it and so she blew it over that she was so excited about that and um you know and i just thought what what wonder what you know they teach us they, we, we, they really do teach us. But so in that connection time, I'm, I'm being intentional about just bringing God's, you know, pre, even in that, just God's presence. And, and we're riding. She said, I want to see another blow flower. And uh, I said, well, well, let's just pray. We're going to ask God to, that we could see another blow flower. So we rode whatever. We didn't, we didn't find one. We didn't see one. So later that afternoon, I was putting her down for a nap. And we're reading a book. And we get to the last page of the book. And there's a blow flower on the last page of the book. And I thought to myself, isn't it like God to answer us not the way we expect always? So, so in that, even in that connection, it may not always look like, you know, what you think. You plan, you know, I'm going to sit and have a tea party with my daughter. And then all of a sudden you get into a conversation about who knows what. So, but yeah, the connection is, is absolutely key because connection gives you influence, right? The greater the connection, the greater the influence. Even as you're, you know, I have adult children now, the more connection i have with them the more they're more willing to listen to you know what we have and uh so connection is a huge part i always think about charlie brown you know um dating myself here but um you know when he was he listened to the teacher and she would talk and he just he would just hear because there was no no connection and i wonder if that's what 
with our kids when we're trying to talk to them. If there's no connection, they're just hearing that, you know, they're not mm-hmm. getting. So the first point is that connection gives us influence. Yeah. Yeah, because without the connection, it's just rules. It's just like yeah. behavior. It's just do this because I said, and this is the way it is, and this is my house. And, and that will work to a point, but it's not going to get the desired outcome. Right. Because the goal is not to raise our kids that they leave and never come back home and right. never call. Right. Right? right. 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 I mean, the goal is to have a real, I mean, it's to have family. That's the goal. <laughs> That's to me. And so I think that it's so important uh, is that, and I think this is true. And we see this happen a lot of times with, as even as they get into adolescents, teenagers, all of that, um, is that rules without relationship just goes to rebellion. Like there's going to be this pushback. And sometimes, man, it's hard. Like there's a hard like stop and it's just like whatever I've always done, I'm not doing that anymore. And it's because it was just rule-based and there was no like there, that, that connection is, is just so lacking. And, and so here's the good news is that even if you have, no matter the age of your kid, they can be growing out your house. You can still begin investing in a connection. And God can mm-hmm. buy back time. God will restore time. It doesn't yes. mean that this yes. is forever. Um, you know, but it is, again, you got to have a vision. you got to have a purpose. you got to put your faith to it. you got to begin to believe God. Give me a way to connect to their heart. You know, I mean, I've got two very different kids, and I'm praying, God, I, I need a way to connect to them in their world. Not just on my schedule, not just what, what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, but that's so vitally important because I don't want, as my buddy said, because when he was about 15, he had wanted nothing to do with his dad and he was full on rebellion. Anything his dad said or didn't say, mm-hmm. anything he thought his dad wanted him to do, he did the exact opposite. Just because of that rebellion, you know, and so... So, um, you know, so the Bible talks about this in Proverbs 22, 6. It says to train up a child in the way that he should go. And this is an important part. This is out of the Amplified Bible. It says in keeping with his individual gift or bent. In other words, into the mold that God has him for, not the mold that we have in mind. Sometimes we have a picture for our kids. Like they're going to be mm-hmm. like me. They're going to do things like me. They're going to. And, but that's not what the Bible tells us to do. It says you need to discover the reason that God created your kid and why he put him in your care and help them develop in that lane. You know, and so can you speak to that a little bit just about. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm reminded again by one of my kids. Uh, it was middle school and uh, I found myself. I couldn't find him. It's like the, the connection was, I couldn't find him anywhere. And this is where the power of community, I, we had a group of women that were praying every week at that point. And, you know, we're praying into this and it's, it's, you know, helping me look for ways to connect him. I just couldn't find him. And I'm just crying out to God, where is he? And, um, a friend of mine's kind of an odd turn of events, mother-in-law, somebody found, heard this book on the radio and I, I meant to look that one up and I didn't, but it was basically on what motivates kids. And, you know, there's personality books and different things, but this was a little different in that, you know, what motivates. And so I started reading the book and um, it had a little quiz in the back of it. And, you know, your, your, your kid could take it or you could take it. And we both and he agreed to take it, which was kind of a miraculous in itself. And he, he did it. And I saw him for the first time. It's like everything I've been doing is the opposite of how he's motivated because that's how I was motivated. You know, and I started just making that shift. And, and in that point, my, the parenting in, in my book changed dramatically. It's like, okay, this is, he's a leader. There's all these things in there that I didn't even see. But it came, first of all, prayer. I mean, just prayer and having, you know, women um, speak in front of, you know, speak with me and give me scriptures and give me things to stand on with him. And, um, and it, it began and, you know, it was a period of time. But... Um, but yeah, just get, like you're saying, getting to know their fan. And it's kind of funny when I, you know, I would say this as far as just a, a tool, never stop tucking your kids in. I, I don't care. It, it, I mean, it might be a quick sit by your bed and say hello, but I know you're tired and I, you know, we've all done that, but, but that's where, if they're going to open up, usually mm-hmm. that's when they'll open up or if they're going to say something, even if it's just to get to stay up another five minutes, you know, they'll yep. start talking. Even if that's the motivation, you still yeah. get, you still get that time. And he, he, same kid, he was in middle school, same t- time frame. And I would go in there every night. He's like, Oh, hey, mom, you know, like this is, and I would pray over him and everything. And I remember one night I was, uh, just particularly busy, had lots going on. I was teaching during the day and uh, that night I'm like, I'm just going to finish this laundry. He can go to bed, you know, without me that night. And um, it was, it was probably an hour later and he comes in there. And he said, are you coming? 
And uh, I said, huh? He said, well, I know you're going to anyway, so I just might as well wait because you're going to end up interrupting me. So, but it was just his little way of saying that does mean something, mm-hmm. you know, it does mean something. And I would just pray over him at night. And um, so that's just, you know, one little thing. Never stop tucking them in, you know, as much as whatever that looks like for you at, at night. I think that's uh, super important. Yeah. And one of the resources, which this is on the resource page there for you. Last week, we talked about five love languages. And there's also a book that's the five love languages for your kids. Um, and so it's important. And, and you mentioned this a moment ago is that so many times we try to love people the way that we receive love mm-hmm. versus loving people the way that they receive it. And, you know, and, and so it, it really is a selflessness. You know, I've heard it said like this is that you, you don't think you're a selfish person until you get married. And then you realize I'm a little selfish and then you get kids and you're like, I'm a whole lot selfish, you know, and it's just like there's this almost death to self that God is working even in the midst of our relationships. And but it is important, though, that we learn uh, really to be selfless, to love and to put other people first. And so learning how to love your your children, regardless of their age, where they are and how they receive it, because that's important because you don't want to be the wah wah. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, you don't want to be the teacher in Charlie Brown. You want to be somebody that is investing. And, and it's like, even though it seemed like it wasn't working, it mattered to her son. And so it is very important. And so learning that language, you know, even the language that your kid speaks. Uh, so many times we just want behavior. And that's what we're trying to shape. But it's like, I would rather have your, and this is the truth, is that you can have behavior and not have their heart. Mm-hmm. And it's more important to have their heart because in a way I would rather my kids mess up with me as their safety net. And I would rather them know it's okay to mess up, but I've got you. And even if I don't have you, God's got you even beyond that at a whole nother level um, is that let's say it this way is that we want them making mistakes when the cost is low. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to wait to, to figure out, their mistakes when the cost is high and instead of getting it, you know, like, Hey, you lied, let's deal with this. I don't want them to wait until they get fired from a job to say, how come no one ever told me that I shouldn't act like that? Or I shouldn't say that, or I shouldn't treat people like that. Or, you know, and it's such a small thing. I mean, like this was something that happened. Like, I don't know if it was last week, week before last, we went to lunch after church. And so we go and we're sitting at the restaurant and, um, the waitress, I don't know where Mira was. She wasn't there when the drinks got placed or order, whatever, probably went to the bathroom or whatever. And so she comes back and the waitress walks up and Mira goes, I want a Coke. And I, and I looked at Mira and I'm like, Mira, that is not how we ask for things, number one. You don't talk to an adult that way. And so I'm parenting right there in that moment. I said, you can wait until she asks you, you know, but it's a small thing, but it's how do you treat people, right? And it's an attitude that later on in life, if it's not kind of brought into check now, it's going to impact her negatively later. And so I'm always thinking about, the future, right? And so how do we, let's talk about like, you shared this with me a little bit the other day and it's so good, um, is, is just the difference of discipline and punishment. I know that's a, you know, everybody's yeah. got their own opinions, but yeah. just yeah. talk about some of that. Yeah. Um, one, one other quick point on the love language sure. first, then I'll come back yeah. to this. Yeah. So I was thinking one way you can kind of see your, your child's is how do they give love? What do they do? Like my granddaughter, I mean, gifts she's always coloring pictures for somebody you know my grandson he's he's really physical you know you could be holding him and he'll say hold you you know so so that's just one other thing is just kind of noticing how do how do they express love and that's usually how they they receive it so um but yeah discipline and punishment so punishment is an outside in approach and discipline is an inside out approach so again if you think back in your own life growing up and you, you know, how your parents were and you kind of connect to that. Some, um, in my world, just because of a lot of family things that went on, I, I was the, my mom would tell you, I was the perfect child and that I, you know, tried to follow the rules, did all the things, whatever. Now the downside was I didn't have permit. I didn't feel like I had permission to fail. So that set me up for a lot of work to be done as an adult, you know, because I had to toe the line so strong. And so yeah, a lot of it in, in my mind was that. So then when my kids, you know, my husband would say, you weren't the normal one. This is normal. <laughs> you know? He was like, you know, you know, pushing a limit or something. I'm like, how could they do that? And he's like, wait, you, 
your experience wasn't normal. This is, you know, and God does that. I think he puts its opposites there for that reason. But so, yeah, punishment and outside in approach was disciplines and inside out approach. And I listed some things that kind of help you hopefully flesh that out some. So punishment is really based in fear and control. I, I feel like my job is to control. Um, whereas discipline is more love and freedom. And that'll make more sense as we go, I think. Um, again, the the punishment we think we we think we're supposed to control them i mean i you know that's my job as a parent i'm supposed to make them behave i'm supposed to control them whereas discipline says i want to teach them to control themselves um we get frustrated when we can't control it's like oh well, i can't you know and some of those kids just aren't really going to be controlled you know and like your mine were all three different that way yep. but know that I, I can't ever control but i can reach you know for their heart And then that makes us upset when they make poor choices. You know, like me, I cannot believe, you know, she did that. Um, But with discipline, I just smile because I know, like he was saying, they're learning and growing and the price tag's low now. You know, let them, I want them to make mistakes while they're young, you know, so they can learn, you know, what that that feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think part of that, too, is allowing consequences. Right. Right? Like not rescuing and not like, yeah, you know... there was a, and I need to add it to that resource. I saw this clip this week, and it was a lady. I think I shared that with you. Uh, I think we were talking the other day about this lady who had raised three phenomenal children. They were all grown. One's the CEO of YouTube. One's the CEO of 23andMe, which is the DNA thing. And then one was some kind of a pediatric something, something, something. And they asked her, they're like, what was the key? How did you, you know, how did you raise these phenomenal kids? And she, and her response was, and I'll give you the, hers was about a three minute response. She said, helicopter parenting is the worst thing that ever happened to kids. Is they have to feel the weight of their choices. And so many times we want to rush in and help, you know, and, and yeah, we don't want our kids to get hurt. But again, I would rather them get hurt when the price tag is small. Like, hey, that's hot. Don't touch that. Okay. I told you, (laughs) it's like, don't do like, Hey, don't touch that electrical alley. It's going to get you, you know, told you like, I'm sorry that you're crying and I'm sorry that you're hurt, but you know, and so we have to, you know, and so I think that even, even in that and guiding kids, um, even because sometimes we want to do the, almost take a a discipline or the punishment, that outside approach versus really allowing them to learn how to make decisions because part of what happens is and we talked about this the other day is that when we overly assert ourselves in our kids life they don't know how to make a decision well that's not a good trait i mean if my kid has never ordered food for themselves by the time they get to 18 i don't want them calling me being like hey what do i want to eat for lunch like quit calling me like go go buy your you know and we laugh about it but they need to learn how to establish their own boundaries in those things. And so some of that comes within this approach of how we discipline and, and allowing sometimes maybe, hey, you need to feel the full effects of what your decision is. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, and so I think that there is that, you know, there's another psychologist that um, I think this is kind of a funny statement. I, I'm still chewing on this one. I haven't figured out how to do this. But he was like, don't allow your kids to do anything that make you dislike them. I'm like, well, that's easy to say. There's many days. You know? It's like, how do you do that? I don't have that answer. If I ever do, I guess I'll share it. I don't know if there is an answer, but yeah. it's a funny statement anyways to me. But, yeah. yeah, so going back to some of the discipline and some of the, the how do you, how, so kind of break that down a little bit more, I guess, is what that yeah. can look like practically. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a, you have to have the, for me, it was a paradigm shift because I, I was raised, you know, I thought that's my job is I'm supposed to make them behave, which would in turn be overriding their will rather than you have full permission to behave or not behave and own your consequences. Then I'm training their will. Um, you know, you mentioned this earlier. You could own their behavior and then you feel embarrassed when and think, oh, I'm not a good parent or you hand the responsibility back to them. And I thought of this example. This was actually a student I had one year and um, her name was Corey. And uh Corey was different. She had been adopted and had a little bit of challenges emotionally in the class. And I had just started teaching. I had heard stories from the year before and um, where she would just have meltdowns and they would have to call the principal to come pick her up, bring her out of the room. Just it, it was I'm like, 
Okay, so, well, one day we're in the classroom, and I think it just kind of illustrates this a little bit. Um, we were in the classroom, and um, I'm writing some things on the board for an example, and I used her name. We'll just say her name was McFarlane. And we were doing, like, initials, like J.I. Watson did such and such. We're learning in grammar how to put capital letter in a piece of simple. And um, so <laughs> I, used, I said, Corey F. something or another. Well, one of the other students who's like hyper-focused and, you know, probably would have been labeled ADHD at the time, but he would hyper-focus on something, said, oh, no, it's not F, it's M. You're right. It's Corley McFarland. It's an M, not an F. Simple, whatever. We're about to go to lunch. Well, he cannot leave that moment until I fix it. And I'm trying to get through the lesson. It's time for lunch. You teachers know this. And so I'm going on. He says, no, it's an M. I'm like, I I understand. You know, let's keep going. He says, it's McFarland. She has a meltdown, throws herself on the floor. He's so mean to me. He won't quit saying my name. That's what I found. Oh, nice. Anyway, he's being so mean to me. He won't quit saying my name. I mean, totally unrational. Un- it's like, and you know, I've always heard, I'm not going to reason with this kid. It's like trying to reason with a drunk. I mean, she's totally dysregulated. And, I, and I'm like, I'm just learning some of this. I'm like, all right, God, I help. And I know you don't want to get in a power struggle with her because they had to. So I said, I said, wow, Corey, this is really upsetting you. We need to talk. Would you like to go? outside the door or to the back of the room if i'd have said let's go outside she would have so in that moment i gave her a choice she said back of the room so we went back there he's so mean he's always so mean and, and i said hey, i could tell this really upset you i said some i'm at a christian school so i could do this i said sometimes when when i feel that kind of angry it even makes my body i started explaining how i felt i said and sometimes i pray do you think we could pray no no and i'm like okay and she started to calm down a little bit and i had held out my hand and, fi- you know, if she wanted to pray. And finally she goes, like, put her, put her one little finger right there. Like, so, so we prayed. And, and, she, and here's where it gets, it, she says, she settled down. She says, okay, but I can't go to lunch. I'm like, wow, well, that's a problem. Because you can't stay in here by yourself. And I, my lunch is in the lounge. And the rest of the kids are going to the room. So what are you going to do? I, I can't go. She didn't want kids to see her crying. You know, I said, you're going to be really hungry. You know, she said, I can't go. I'm not going to lunch. I said, you didn't have to go lunch, but what are you going to do? I could go to the principal's office. I'm like, sure. You want to go to the principal's office? So I'm letting her solve her own problem. I'm, I'm helping her get through this. We get to the you know, principal, and I said, hey, Corey just needs to take a break. She's not in trouble. She just wants to take a break in here. I said, yes. I said, now, if you want your lunch, you need to tell them within 10 minutes because it's going to be too late. Sits there. Go to recess. She never had lunch. Go to recess afterward. She's fine. This is what's beautiful. The end of the day never happened before or since. Domino's had donated a lot of pizzas to the school that day. And so they were going around passing out, say, if you want to take one home, whatever. Like, oh, my kids are coming. I'll just take one home. They can eat that for dinner. So she's smelling this pizza. She comes up. I'm really hungry. I said, I know. When I skip lunch, I'm hungry too. I, I understand. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm really empathetic. I said, I called your mom and let her know that you didn't have lunch. And she's going to have a snack for you right when you get home. I, can I have, I said, I, you know, I understand you and anyway, we got through that. Fortunately, mom made like Brussels sprouts and something else for dinner that night. She didn't get pizza, you know, I don't know, but, but she, she got some autonomy in it. She learned, she was having a, a hard time. I was empathetic with her. She felt the weight of the consequence, you know, and so it's just, and sometimes it's being creative, you know, and asking God, you know, how do you, how can I do this in this situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes we, I mean, I have for sure one of these, and they both have traits of it, I suppose, but one of them more than the other is just being that strong-willed. Oh, yeah. You know, like just Barry, which, you know, I have no idea where they get that from, but. Uh, I always, I heard something, too. You rarely want to tell a strong-willed person what to do. You're going to tell them what you will do. Tell them what you will do. You know, in a classroom, it might be like, you know, I will take kids to lunch when the line is straight. I will do this, you know, I will, I will play the game when the toys are picked up rather than pick up your toys. And I have some, some illustrations of that in a minute. But one other creative thing one day, same kid I was talking about earlier, same age frame, that middle school age, he had come home from school and thrown his jacket in the, in the floor, in the living room. And, you know, I just cleaned out. You don't want jacket in the floor. And again, you're trying to teach them. Someday his wife might thank me, you know, at least pick up your things. And um, didn't know all of this then. And I, I said, hey, you know, go put your jacket on the, on the hook or whatever. He just, flat ignore me. He turned, he was watching TV. I'm like, 
On the off chance that he didn't hear me, I'll tell him again. So kind of got a little louder in his face and said, hey, go put your jacket up. Not budging. I'm feeling the red come up. You know, how, you know, you see on those little cartoons, it's like, I'm like, I don't want to get in a power struggle over this. It's a jacket. So I went in the kitchen. I'm like, all right, God, I just need. And I, I guess this was the Holy Spirit because I don't think I would have ever thought of this myself. I went back in there and started dancing in front of the TV. Just he's like, Mom. I'm like, I, I know. I'm just feeling like dancing today, and da, 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 you know, whatever. And he's like, Mom. I said, When the jacket's moved, I'll stop dancing. <sighs> Went and hung the jacket up, you know. And in that moment, you know, we avoided the power struggle. We we got the jacket put up. We kept his dignity intact. I didn't have to go into some sort of rant on why he needs to, you know, obey the rules all the time. And and he's, you know, he remembers that to this day. Remember when you danced in front of the TV, you know? Yeah. And so, I think it's so important too, is that he remembers that moment fondly today. Mm. Like it's not a negative, like shameful, like you remember that time you didn't, you know, it, it's this funny moment that actually leads to connection yeah. today. Right. Yeah. So kind of circling back is that even in our correction, it's, it, it, we always want to get it back to that place of connection. Yeah. I mean, that's because again, we're going after the heart, not after behavior. I mean, if we get the heart behavior will come. I mean, God doesn't interact with us that way. Right. He goes after our heart and says, we can deal with behavior later, right? It's that yeah. whole, it's, God starts with the heart, the inside of us, and then begins to work outward. And we need to have the same approach with our children as well, even in regards to correction. And so uh, speak to that a little bit, or do you have anything else to add? Yeah, just just um, allowing the consequences to be the teacher and don't make yourself the consequence or the punishment. And that's easy to say because, I mean, we're all human. and some, but, but you don't want your disapproval or your... Because then they're not owning it, for one. I made mom mad. I'm in trouble. You know, for, so they're not even owning that, you know, that consequence, really. They're just looking at it. Okay, mom's mad at me. I'm in trouble. I don't want to make mom mad. And so you're not, you're not accomplishing you know, that. And so you just want to create a, a safe place of mutual respect for them to build confidence and personal responsibility while managing increasing levels of freedom. So giving them, them those... Freedoms, but I had a few strategies. Damn. Yeah. Um, so one thing, uh, I did a lot of training with uh, Love and Logic, which well, I think that's on the resource book, and they give you a, a lot of just skills and some creative ways to uh, kind of interact with this that I think are super important, and it's helped me a lot, even with my grandkids. And um, my my younger grandson uh, Colt was just being really, really loud the other day, just loud, just talking loud, being loud, and I'm like, wow, this is hurting my ears. And, and I, I know him, his love language is touch for sure. And, and I just, I went up to him and I said, Colt, that's hurting my ears. And he's, you know, and two minutes later, he's still being loud. I said, do you have a volume button? I said, do you have a volume button? And then I'm like, is it your belly button? Is it your nose? Is it your, you know? And so we just, those moments of connection when I'm trying to, to, you know, correct, a, hmm. uh, or at least just get him to talk a little bit softer in that moment. But so, yeah, so setting enforceable limits with enforceable statements. So that's what I was saying earlier about a strong will. You know, you tell them what to do and they don't do it, then what? But if you tell them what you will do, then it's a different. And I had a couple, let me, let me scroll to that real quick. Just some uh, examples of that that I think. So instead of um, uh, sit down, we're going to eat now, you might say, we will eat as soon as you're seated. Um, instead of uh, clean your room so we can go shopping, I'll be happy to take you shopping as soon as your room is clean. Um, don't talk while I'm reading to you. I'll start reading to you as soon as you finish talking. Um, don't shout at me. I listen to people who do not yell at me. Um, pay attention. I'll start again as soon as I know you're with me. Um, don't be bothering your sister. You're welcome to stay with us as long as you're not bothering your sister. So there are, so there are some consequences. You know, there, he talks about fun or room. There's some, there's, there's some specifics. They have a lot, a lot of tools in there. But the ideas begin thinking of, I can enforce this statement. If I say, I won't do this, you know, I will do this when you do that, I can totally control that. If I tell the kid, do this, and they don't do it, then I've got to decide how am I going to deal with that. Mm -hmm. You know, so those enforceable I statements make, um, really help those uh Stronger will kids for sure. Yeah, and I know the other day you'd mentioned even the just the statement of like the the realization of knowing that I can't I can only control me. On a good day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a good day. This is very true. You know, it's, you know, but the idea of control is not, it's not even a reality. 
Right. Um, and so there's no way I'm going to do that. And so I think that, too, uh, along with that, um, even that idea um, is the – and it's always having the understanding that we always want to try to model – for our kids, their mm. relationship with God. Oh, yeah. Because we're teaching them how they will perceive God. Because we're the authority figure in their life, right? Well, if God is our authority figure, then, you know, if it's just rules and regulation, right? But that's not how yeah. God... And, and, and here's the thing is, and this is really goes a little deeper into our relationship with God. Yeah. How we perceive our connection with God, his role. Like if he's the dictator, Right? And that's how we see God. That's how we're going to teach our kids who God is as well. Mm. But yet God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of kindness. He's full of compassion. So we have to know that before we can teach that. Yeah. You know, and and so that's where some of these, uh, even the verbiage, if you will, because it's more than just verbiage. It's it's for a point. It's getting to a place of connection. Um, you know, so was there other strategies that you had as well? Um, the other, I just picked two. There's a ton of them on there. But the enforceable and just giving choices within limits, you know, they, but you want to give them choices that you're okay with either choice. You know, it's not do this or so it might it might sound like um, you want to get in the car with your feet on the ground or the feet in the air. You know, you got a toddler not wanting to get, you know, do, would you like to, you know, I know my daughter's really good with it. The grandkids, you know, are, are, it's almost time to leave. Would you rather rather leave now or in five minutes? You know, and just giving them that autonomy and that choice, then in, in doing that, then they're not having to try to take it in other other ways. And just like I said, there's just lots of creative ways to just start thinking about. You know, I'm okay with either choice. They can do it this way or that way, but you know, it's, they're going to get in the car. You know, you're going to get with feet on. So just you know, those that's the other one. And again, I put some resources up there that has a lot, a lot of more, uh, a lot more yeah. examples probably. Very good. So speak to that. I, I kind of mentioned it just now, but would you speak to that just even about how kind of our um, our connection with the Lord leading to our kids' connection to the Lord yeah. and like kind of that dynamic of even our – even us as those who are leading them. Right. And, and speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So I think, you know, we can't really give what we don't have, you know. So part of that is – Sometimes I know in my own life, there's been seasons that I feel like God is reparenting me because the same thing. I, I kind of grew up just thinking I had to toe the line and, and, and saw God in, in that way. And so learning even again on our own journey and connecting back into that, you know, and, and remembering, you know, he has a created design for all of us. How he, he wants us to walk in freedom and being able to express that created design. And if, if we bring ourselves and our own beliefs about ourselves into parenting, kind of like what you were saying. So even just thinking about, you know, how, how do I view God? Where, where did that, you know, where did that come from? Is, is that connection, you know, I can know it, but is that my, really my uh, heart is that I want, you know, that connection with God or I'm receiving that connection with God. Therefore, I can give it to my kids. And so sometimes it's just like you're saying, it's, it's going back and saying, okay, are these areas that, you know, God wants to bring me through in a, uh, you know, freedom journey into learning and, and to trust and you know, re rearranging a lot of, I know for sure that's been with mm. me is learning to see God differently. Yeah. Yeah. And experience, I, you know, whether you're talking about a marriage relationship, a child relationship, mm-hmm. whether whatever, any interaction, the greatest thing that we could ever do for humanity is to be the healthiest version of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And when I say humanity, like being healthy, I don't mean like a physically fit. I don't just mean like in a mental ascent kind of way. I mean like a really allowing the Lord to minister to us to help us because we are all flawed. We all have things. And so even when it comes to our, like, I don't let me say it this way. How do you break a generational curse? You do. Mm-hmm. It starts with you. I've shared this a number of times with my dad. Um, growing up, my dad would tell me, you're going to break this. I'm starting it because mm-hmm. men in my family were angry um, that we didn't have emotion, but we got angry. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. You'll understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But my dad would, when I was young, I probably wasn't much older than my son is now. And my dad would grab me and he would look me in the face just, you know, and just make me look at him and would say, son, I just lost my cool. You can, and he never said you will be, but he said, you can be a better man than me. You don't have to act the way that I do. I don't think my dad knew what he was doing. 
But I think he was determined this is going to stop in our family. And it has to start somewhere. And so he and he would tell me, if you'll deal with this now, it'll be a lot easier than it will be when you're my age. And so even the humility of my dad to talk to me as a kid, acknowledging the area where he was missing. And really what he's saying is, I'm, and he would even tell me, I'm believing God to help me in this area of my life. But if you'll start allowing God to help you now... It's going to help you later. And so even in my dad's process of God working in him, he was actually setting me up to get a head start. You know, and so and so me and my dad have even talked about this, is that what started with him has come through me. And, and we're believing that hopefully Max, but if not Max, Max's son will not know the effects of that. Yeah. Is that we will change our family's destiny because somebody made a decision to stop. You know, and so maybe you're a grandparent in here today and you're like, yeah, we all got that. That needs to change. So start having some honest conversation with your kids. Maybe apologize to your kids and say, hey, let's begin to believe God together about your kids. And now you both start begin to speak life into that, into them. And you begin to really put it to an uh, an area of your faith and you'll see God work in your family. God is a generational God. We think that God is just a God of the here and the now, but God looks at things in the long term. I'm going to start in one generation that I'm going to fulfill it here. I mean, you know, I mean, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, right? I mean, it's three generations. And I actually, I, I hold to the belief just from what I can see in scripture. It actually takes three generations to really break this significant stronghold in a family. I don't think it just stops with one. I think until you get to the third, I don't think it's actually created lasting change yet, uh, generationally speaking. Um, you know, and God speaks about blessing generations. We were singing in earth earlier mm. that the Lord would bless our children and our children's children. Well, that's biblical language. Sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, generational curses. Well, what about generational blessings? Like God actually says that blessing lasts longer than cursing if you go read the scriptures. And so even in this idea of just being authentically open to the Lord and saying, God, I know that there are things in me that are not healed, that are not what they need to be. And so I'm going to open up myself to you because I I want to really be a blessing to my children and my grandkids and maybe even some of your grand or uh, great grandparents. I saw something this week and a lady was, uh, I forgot what they said in her family tree of like her kids down had 120 something people. And she had just welcomed, I forgot. It was like her fifth great, great grandchild or something like that. And I was just thinking like, I didn't know people lived that long to see that many generations, but she had seen, you know, all these things. And so, uh, you know, I know that you had shared with me what you call uh, your, your parenting manifesto. And so this is kind of, so when you share something, this is actually going to be on the screen for you. Cause it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a statement, yeah. but it'll be up there. This is also on the resource link as well. And so we'll put that QR code back up in a few minutes after this, but um, can you just share a little bit, maybe some of the behind yeah. of that, and then you can share it. Yeah. I was trying to, to basically put all of this stuff like in a, in a, <laughs> In a way that I could, even for my own self, that I could express, okay, this is what this would look like. If I were talking to my child, this, this is what this would look like. And I, I agree with you. I, I heard a statement once. I think Max Lucado said, the glory of God is man fully alive. You know, and so like you're saying, we want that for our kids. And those repairs are so important. I mean, making a repair with your kid, it has so much value. And, and so, but the, the, what I just call my manifesto was I just tried to put it all as if, this is how I would, you know, express it to uh, yeah. my kid. So. so you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to read it. Okay. Said, um, if there was one word I could use to define parenting, it would be powerfulness. Powerful as a parent in that I am whole and I don't need you to behave some certain way for me to be okay. I get to choose to move towards you in connection and I get to lovingly set enforceable limits for you. Powerful as a child, as you learn to make mistakes, make choices, and your own con- and own your own consequences, as I stand beside you with sincere empathy. I believe in you. My goal for you is not that you do the right thing all the time. My goal is that you learn. I get to let go of fear that would want to control you, but instead give you freedom to be powerful and choose. When you make mistakes, I'll be with you and for you the entire time. 
You have the right to earn and experience your own consequences, whether favorable or unfavorable. I won't hover over you or rescue you, but I will be there to support you. There is value in you choosing and learning. My goal is not for you to choose right, to please me, or for some external reward or avoidance of punishment. My goal is for you to grow in managing your freedom. A freedom that gives you permission to take risks, to learn, to think, to problem solve, and make adjustments. In this process, you will feel angry or sad or happy sometimes. These emotions are okay, and I don't need to fix you when you feel them. You have permission to feel, to explore, to choose. I don't need to control you. I don't want you to grow up needing an outside voice telling you what to do. My prayer is that you will practice making choices and feel their natural consequences in an environment of love, permission, and empathy. I have some great ideas of ways of, to live life that will bring you much joy and avoid some pain. I'll share these with you along the way and invite you to embrace them. Feel free to choose. Feel free to experience success and failure and to learn. Together, let's discover who you are, what piece of the master you enjoy displaying, what brings you life. Help me know you by sharing your desires and likes with me. Let's ask the Lord together to help us grow in our connection and discovery of who you are. Yeah. So, you know, as she said, this is kind of encapsulating what we're talking about. And so this QR code gives, so this is, it's actually written out for you on there. Cause I know that's a lot to try to retain, but I would encourage you cause it is, again, it's about having the right vision. You got to you got to begin with the end in mind when it comes to your kids and whatever season of life you may be in, because you may be like, man, I've already messed them up too bad. It's like, no, here's the thing. And God is gracious and God is good and God is faithful. I told you this in the beginning is that God loves our kids more than we do. And God will bring people around them and God will will support them and love them and care for them. But God is, is an amazing father. He really is like his grace goes beyond anything that we can comprehend. And his grace isn't just um, his goodness towards us. Sometimes it's our, his goodness through us too to others. You know, and I believe that God will restore. God will bring back and things that we think, man, this is just the way it's going to be. It'll be that way as long as you accept it to be that way. But if you'll, if you'll take your faith, begin to believe God. God, look, we may have been on a certain journey with our kids up to this point. It's been this way. But the past doesn't have to define tomorrow. You know, as that things can shift, the grace of God goes into work. The power of God goes into work in our relationships, whether that's in our marriage, whether that's in our kids, whether that's, you know, with whatever. And so we want to have an attitude of faith, believing that God's going to work. And so I know many of you have young kids in here. And you're thinking like, man, how, how do I just not screw them up? Or like, how do I just raise them up in the way that I should? Is again, you want to be honest. You want to be open. Yeah, but you have to trust the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit. God, this is your kid. You gave them to me for a reason. I just need your wisdom. I need your help. Like, I don't have this figured out. And, and, and it is a journey. And we're all going to make mistakes. And we can get weighed down with all the mistakes that we all make. Man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I mean, the devil is a master at hitting the replay button. You know, I mean, he'll rewind 10 years ago and be like, you remember when you said this? It's like, you're right back in that moment. Well, that's the enemy at work, right? I mean, anytime there's shame, there's guilt, there's conduct. That's not the way the Lord works. That's the work of darkness. That's the work of the enemy. And so we want to come to this place of life. And just as we said earlier, John, Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Is that yes, there's a burden that comes with, with family. Sure. But there's a burden that comes with everything. Many of you are going to go to a job tomorrow that has a burden. There's also a blessing. It's called a paycheck that comes from that job. And so you put up with a burden because of the blessing, right? And, and, and so in the same way with kids, there's burdens. Yes. I mean, they're frustrating. They're human. Guess what? So are we. You know? And, and, and so we we want to have this place of connection with them. And, and so, and, and look, all of us have interactions with people. With younger people, with kids, teenagers, young adults, whatever. Is that we want to help guide people back to Jesus. That That is the ultimate goal. And, and raising them up. And, and so again, the, the greatest thing that we can do for others is to be a healthy us. 
to allow God to work and to move in us. And so I want to take just a moment. I specifically want to pray over parents this morning. And we got a lot of good things, fun things that will be happening after service. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to say this so I don't forget is that, man, we so appreciate everybody that came early today and set up and those who have been cooking while we've been sitting in the ac they've been cooking outside and uh, for us and doing all the things and getting all everything prepared for us so we so appreciate them and just everybody for jumping in today and helping make all the things happen for us and uh, but i want to take just a moment here and just pray and i want to pray over everybody but specifically over parents today how many parents we got in the room how many grandparents we got in the room they're the real heroes my, I remember my grandmother had a sign on her, uh, not a sign, but something on her wall. I don't know why this sticks. There were, there were a few signs. She, she was a tchotchke person, okay? I'll just say that. She had, the, like, I'm going to tell you a funny one. I still remember this as a kid. She had this thing over the toilet. My sister's sitting over here. She's already shaking her head because she, and it says, and I, I, I mean, I was a kid, but I, I memorized this, stuck with me all these years. It's funny. It says, if you sprinkle when you tinkle, be a sweetie and wipe the seedy. You know, and that was right over the toilet. I don't know why that has stuck with me, but that's one of the things I remember about, about my grandmother. And um, but, uh, but she had this other one in the house too, and it said, "If I would, if I would have known that grandkids were this much fun, I would have had them first. You know, and, but you know what that said to me as a kid, and because I mean, I'm telling you, I could do no wrong in gr- my grandmother's eyes. I can remember as a kid, I would go out and go fishing, and I would just get roasted because I'm fair skinned, roasted. And she never got on to me for not wearing my sunscreen. She never got on to me for all these things. She would go, go lay on the living room floor. And she had aloe vera plants and she'd go and break them and put it all on my back. And I'd lay there, and, you know, and she just loved me, right? Because she's grandma and that's, that's the advantage of, you know, and, you know, I, I've talked to my parents a lot just about raising kids and my dad and my mom both have talked about, I wish that I knew back then what I know now and that I would value my kids the way I did or the way I do my grandkids more you know and and that's hard when you're in it right because it's like man I'm just surviving I'm just trying to make it through and there's so much pressure I'm trying to pay the bills trying to get them to school trying to get them educated trying to raise them up all the pressure I mean there's a lot of pressure involved but remember kids are a blessing from the Lord and the Bible talks about them being like arrows in our, that, hey, we're going to direct in an area which goes back to that vision element. And so we want to send them to a place. I, I want to pray over specifically parents, but I'm going to include you grandparents as well, although y'all's job's fun. Y'all get to sugar them up and love them and hug them and kiss them and send them home all wired up. And y'all are like, my dad always said, you remember all that that you put me through? It's payback time. And uh, so... Anyhow, well, let's pray this morning. Father God, we just thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your truth. Father, we just thank you for even just this amazing gift of new life that you've given us. Father, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your grace, your goodness, your kindness towards every one of us. But Father, I I lift up all the parents in the room today. Father, I just thank you for your grace, your wisdom to be upon us. Father, that you've entrusted us with your children to raise them up, not just in following you, although there's definitely a part of that, but Father, also following you in the exploration of who you've created them to be. And so, Father, I just thank you that you give us uh, just divine ways of connecting with our kids' hearts, ways to get past just the emotions and the feelings of a moment. But Father, really having that heart-to-heart connection that we desire, that they desire, that you desire for us to have. And so, Father, I just thank you that even in the moments of frustration, even in the, um, the moments of the unknown and just all that comes with life, Father, I just thank you for just the clarity that the Holy Spirit can bring in a moment. Father, that even when we're at our breaking moment, that the Holy Spirit's right there with us with more grace and more understanding and more wisdom. And so, Father, I just thank you today that your grace is enough for us. That, Father, that we do love our kids and we want nothing but the best for them. But, Father, that even in our greatest desires, that it really doesn't even compare to how much you love them and how much you desire good things for them. And so, Father, I just thank you today for your blessing to be upon every parent in this place. Father, I thank you even for our grandparents in the room today. 
Father, for aunts and uncles and all those who get to celebrate uh, what a life is and what it represents. Father, I just thank you for your grace to be upon all of us as we're helping to raise up not just our own kids, but even helping others raise their kids as well. And so, Father, I just thank you for your grace, your wisdom, Father, to be upon all of us today. Father, we thank you for uh, the food that we're going to eat today. Father, we just thank you that it's blessed, nourished our bodies. Father, we thank you for just our time of fellowship today. Father, we call that today is blessed because it's a day that you've made. And, Father, your instruction to us is to rejoice and be glad in every day that we have. And so, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for all that you're doing. Father, we just thank you, praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Miss Debbie, thank you for doing this. We all just show her some love today. So appreciate it. And uh, thank you for making me look like a genius. (laughs) I do appreciate it. And so, hey, I'm going to hand this back over to Jen. And she's got a.